Welcome to the Assembly of Silence Radio Hour. This audio program has been carefully packed to the legal limit with a weekly allowance of non-governmentally approved deep thoughts per square minute of podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Judah and Noah. Episode two. What's it going to be about? <laughs> Let's yeah. just dive right in. I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. Let's do it. <laughs> Sorry about the dog. It's a new dog. But even later, when it's no longer a new dog, it's going to be a problem. <laughs> this is a behavior that will not change. <laughs> I'll try to find a way to deal with it. Okay. Here, I'm going to try it. I'm going to mute my mic. Shut up! <laughs> Let's see if that worked. Was my mic muted for that? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, come on. Let's get down to All business, right, man. Down to business. You can't screw around like this. No, that's not. What's going on? Okay, what are we talking so, about? So, I mean, I'm thinking, you know... This term "life force" uh, gets used mm. a lot, mm-hmm. right? In, in various traditions, the, the, there's always something said about a life force. Mm-hmm. What is it? Boy, you where got is me. it? <laughs> I don't know. I have no clue. End of story. I'm 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 gonna take some stabs at it. Okay, though. let's hear it. All right, I'm ready. So you know, here we have this physical body, right? And when we look at the physical body, it's made of the earth, right? It's minerals. It's 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 kind of like the physical earthness of us, and its trajectory is towards death and decay, mm-hmm. really, without mm-hmm. a life force, right? Without an enlivening force, right. the physical body is prone to death and decay. And as a nutritionist, my belief is that the role of nutrition is really to resist death. Hmm. Interesting. The role of nutrition is to resist death. And when we eat and and take in the sensorial world, because really, let's be honest, food isn't the only thing that nourishes us. Right. Like our entire being is nourished by all of our senses. Right. And what are our senses? Nourished in different ways. Nourished in different ways, Mm -hmm. right? And so, but what, what are the, what do these have in common and as far as i can tell what they all have in common is that they stimulate the secretion of our inherent forces or they stimulate the secretion of substances from glands when we eat the pancreas releases uh, insulin it releases digestive enzymes the gallbladder secretes bile Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, When we experience something uh, pleasurable, joyful, when we experience joy, the substantia nigra uh, produces dopamine. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so glandular secretions. There's another gland that will produce an excretion when experiences joy as well. Right. Yeah. So. Excretions are a um, a byproduct of the 
stimulation that arises from the challenges posed by nutrition. You could say something like that. Yeah, you could you could say that. You could say that that's definitely what one of the roles of nutrition is to challenge the body to secrete its own inherent forces. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's whether that's, they be digestive forces, stomach right. acid, pancreatic juice, bile. So it's work. Mm-hmm. Right, the organ is or the gland is having to work in order to uh, cope with the substance right. to assimilate and transform. Right, mm-hmm. and and here's where here, here's a little interesting thing is that if you are eating refined and processed food that's been stripped of of its nutrients, there's less force in the food. There's less forces in hmm. the food: vitamins, mm-hmm. minerals, fatty acids, whatever it might be. And that food becomes really easy. Uh, it, it it gets digested really quickly, hmm. right? But like white flour, re- right? White flour versus whole grain flour. We'll just use that as an example. Or let's let's use this example: uh, white flour versus vegetables. Okay, right. Both sources of carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. One with very little. One that experiences very little resistance from the digestive process, meaning because there's little to digest, there's little to break and, down. Unless, of course, you're gluten intolerant or something like that. Right, you? which then that that's a whole other issue. And and you might wonder whether or not gluten intolerance is a result of generations not having their digestive system challenged enough mm. to be able to handle, right? So in a certain mm-hmm. sense, the system wants to be challenged, and if it isn't, it's then going to become deficient. It's not. It's like uh, resistance training, where the muscles are really no longer. If you don't get that kind of training, and you're not pushing against force, right. then the capacity for the operation to occur gets diminished. Right. Right. Exactly. So you consume uh, a plate of vegetables. Uh, there's um, there's fiber. There's vitamins. There's minerals. There's uh, all all the whole. Um, like a phytochemical profile. Phytochemical profile, thank like you. That. And that requires more digestive force. So the body has to work harder to digest it, to break it down. But it also gets more out of it. But it gets more out of it, exactly. Right. More inherent forces are stimulated. Hmm. Right? And that, and then what that leads to is greater vitality, greater life force. Because there's a, a an exercised capacity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I've been thinking that the glandular system, the endocrine system, is the seat of the life body, we could say. The hmm. body that brings life into the physical body. Hmm. Glandular system. Why the glandular system as opposed to other organs? Because it's the the glandular secretions that build us up. So uh, the hypothalamus stimulates the pituitary. Uh, the pituitary releases thyroid stimulating hormone, uh, adrenocorticotropic releasing hormone. Um, so adrenal function, thyroid function, ovaries, testes. That's all in that uh, hypothalamic pituitary axis. Um, that's one. Uh, but isn't also uh, like a spleen uh, producing insulin? Isn't that part well, of also pancreas, a building? The pancreas producing insulin. Right, right, right. Yep. Pancreas producing insulin. So it's uh, pancreas is really interesting. It's an endocrine exocrine 
so it's it's part of the glandular system also oh, okay, in, in right. a unique way in its own hmm. unique way absolutely yeah but none of the organs would be considered like the liver or um i mean you know you could say the lung is essentially producing oxygenated blood which is fundamental to the i mean the basic right. process is still analogous right, right? right. now you couldn't say necessarily it's a secretion. You know, it's not producing a fluid. It's energizing a fluid, it's, I guess. I would say energizing a fluid would be mm -hmm. really a great way to do it. And what's really interesting about the red blood cells is they're, the I believe, one of the only, if not the only, cell in the human body that has no DNA. So as a red blood cell forms, it has DNA. And once it matures, the DNA is cleaved off. Hmm to make as much room for hemoglobin as possible. And hmm. hemoglobin is what holds oxygen in the red blood cell. Hmm. So here, now here, and we can get a little far out here, is that in many traditions, they talk about the life being in the blood. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. The chi is in the blood in mm -hmm. traditional Chinese medicine. In Judaism, the life is in the blood. Well, the chi and is throughout the body, but it... Is, circulates. It is the enlivening force within the blood. Exactly. But it's an enlivening force along its own meridians that aren't necessarily uh, related to the movement of the blood. Right. So, yeah, it's a... In, in Western esotericism, the I, the capital I, I being that I, which is individualized and universal. So just a really brief on that is that we all say I. Mm -hmm. All of us say I. I can't say I about you and you can't say I about me. Mm. I can only say I about myself. And so therefore mm. my I is connected to the universal I. And it seems like it's just too bizarre that I would essentially be one. You know, the the capital I looks an awful lot like a one. Right. Exactly. So exactly. Then we so. have that alone thing again, the all one, mm -hmm. right? Sense of self being. Mm-hmm. Married to a unity concept. Right. Yeah. And so in Western esotericism, the eye's home is in the blood. Hmm. And when we look at that, the point of, of when we eat food and we digest it, and those nutrients cross the threshold of the digestive tract into the lymphatic or into the circulatory capillaries, the digestive capillaries, those nutrients are being delivered into the blood hmm. uh, as a way to give the eye a taste, so to speak, of its experience of the external world. And with breath, breath streams right into the blood. It doesn't get broken down or digested or anything. It's a main line right into the blood, breath, to inspire, to inspiritu, in spirit. But it, God breathes spirit into Adam. Hmm. Interesting. Right? So... So, so you're making an analog between the processes in the body and the enlivening spirit within all living beings, you could say. Yeah. So there's a some ephemeral uh, agent that gets introduced to what would otherwise be essentially inert material mm -hmm. that then brings it into the the processes of life right 
Interesting. And if we look at the blood, the blood's job is to deliver nutrients and oxygen to all the cells and tissue of the body, Mm -hmm. continually circulating, right? And um, all glandular secretions end up in the blood to be carried to cells and tissues throughout the body. Hmm. So it's like the blood is like this life force. It's a carrier. It's a transporter. Carrier of life forces through the body. So it's like you get the basic energy component in oxygen. You get the nutritive support in the food mm-hmm. byproducts mm-hmm. Uh, are broken down. Mm-hmm. And then you get these messages essentially for kind of switching mode type mm-hmm. of thing from the glandular system. Right. 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 Um, hmm. And then it's interesting that, yeah, so we have this carrier that ejects its genetic material, making room. Now, what happens to the blood after the delivery? I know it, it comes great, back and gets reoxygenated. So, so it, it turns into blue blood, venous blood. It goes into the venous system and eventually comes back through the heart, then back into the lungs to get oxygen and then back to the... Uh, so it's the reusing blood. the cell? Yeah. And, now, then, and, and it also gets not 100%. So what right. also happens is it gets filtered through the spleen. And the spleen's job is to decide um, who's... Who's done now? And mm. and it'll destroy that and recycle it. And 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 then who's still good and lets that go? Now, I've also heard that, and tell me if this is correct, that the spleen is kind of the producer of the white blood cells. Is that correct? Um, not necessarily, no. So you, you have B cells, hmm. uh, which are produced in the bone marrow, and you have T cells, which are produced in the thymus gland. Hmm. Yeah. So there's no uh, immune system cells produced in the spleen. Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure about that. So okay, we're gonna have to look that we'll one up. Look that one up. Um, but the spleen does have, I believe, an immune component to it. But more than anything, the spleen's job is to filter the blood out uh, and, and decide who's had enough and who who's still good enough to keep going. Hmm. Yeah, because someone had told me. I'm pretty sure it was the spleen that. Uh, that one of the jobs that it has is to take red blood cells and, in essence, expose them to a bunch of potential pathogens to train them and and basically scare the crap out of them so that they know what to search for in their new life as a white blood cell. And I've been wondering if that's <laughs> if that's true or not. I haven't had time to yeah, look it up. So that will be something that we'll look up for some other um, future discussion. Uh so the the question that I would have now is how does the agent of the eye interface with this kind of uh, seat of the life body, mm. right? So we have these processes that are happening within the body that are essentially autonomic. We don't have direct control over them from the sense of the individual eye, right. Right? right? So what is the part of our consciousness that is in some way or another involved in these processes? Because obviously the 
enlivening spirit that we associate with our conscious being is something which perishes along with our body, right? right? So if that goes, then basically the autonomic nervous system stops as well. Mm-hmm. So there appears to be some real connection between the two. And one of the things that's I've been curious about and trying to get a grip on is how do we describe the interface between the conscious being and all these various processes that are happening in the body that are associate seem to be associated with the consciousness, but yet we're not like literally consciously controlling. I would say that there's another mediating factor here, and that would be the soul body, hmm. and that would be the land. And as I said in the, in our last episode, the land of thinking, feeling, and willing, hmm. our drives, desires, passions, so that. When we transform our thinking and our feeling life and our actions in the world, this can actually transform uh, our life forces as well. Yeah, well, the 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 thinking, feeling, and willing seem to uh, correspond with the part of our consciousness that we are actively engaged in. Right. right? But all the autonomic processes that you're describing as being uh, the seat of the life body mm-hmm. are in some way still related to that, and yet we're not consciously, we don't have a conscious handle on them, unless, you know, maybe some people who have uh, practiced various types of yoga or meditation are able to access the autonomic system. But just in general, as a matter of course, it's not something that we seem to have conscious control over. Well, and yet, and yet we can actually. Um so let's say we'll, we'll go down this road that we know that if you're locked into your sympathetic nervous system, mm-hmm. then digestive capacity decreases. Right. Gut motility slows down, digestive secretions uh, reduce, so digestion is not going to happen so right. well. But that's still a, a kind of a meta stage. Like we're not actually down there doing the work of right. pu- you know, putting the oxygen, the nutrients, right. and the secretions into a cell, managing like, okay, yeah, that blood cell, I want you to go to that capillary and feed that cell there. It needs it. You know, We're not doing any of that, but right. it's happening. Right. And those are some intricate things going right. on. Right. So and that's the gift of the autonomic nervous system is that, as you said, it's in control of our automatic functions. So we, we, can, we can slow our heart rate down consciously, mm-hmm. but we can't stop it. Well, supposedly some yogis can yeah, for some period of time, you know, that, like, right, right. but certainly but we cannot. Right. <laughs> let's just say the average individual walking yeah. around can't right. do that. I can learn to um, um, control my thinking mm-hmm. and control my feeling life. To some extent. To some extent. Mm-hmm. And that's going to make it a lot easier on my physiology, right? If I'm not swinging between the pendulum of, like, of, uh, say, reaction, uh, you know, stimulus, reaction, stimulus, reaction, stimulus, reaction. Right. High, low, high, low, high, low. If I learn to have a stimulus and and through being either in heart coherence and... Um, uh, in a in a in a coherent state with good resilience, um, my ability to respond is better. So I have some space between stimulus and response. Then that's less demand on my secretions. Right, but I would say that that's fundamentally an influence and not a control. Right, uh, control is sort of like 
you've got your hands on the levers and that's right. what's doing the stuff right 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 so you know there is a way uh, I, I I think that there is a way of describing the kind of relationship that might be going on mm. um, to account for the it goes back to the to the concept that we were discussing in the first episode, having to do with uh, the seed of consciousness forming in networks. So you get a, a collective of cells that need to be managed. And so there's a communication system that basically the nerves start to take on great importance when you have a collective. Right. So uh, we can see how as organisms got more and more complicated, the need for uh, a good communication system became more and more paramount. And so that is where the seat of consciousness came into being with a collection of other conscious beings. Mm, mm-hmm. So we're talking about essentially a meta being within a uh, world of conscious beings, which is uh, maybe one of the great arguments for the existence of the, mm. you know, mm-hmm. God, if you like, um, the, the core conscious being at the center of all existence. Right. So we see that there's kind of a, an overall pattern here where there are collections of conscious beings which, as a result of the need for their interconnectedness to uh, coordinate their functionality, um, have a mediating, if you like, conscious being. Um, and we can see a similar process occurring now within human civilization. As we become more complicated, we have a mediating, connective network that's happening that's becoming increasingly important to coordinate our various activities and our functions because they're all reliant upon each other. Mm-hmm. And we are essentially like the social insects, the bees and the, and the ants, creating a super organism. Mm-hmm. You know? And so you know that, that would be a model for describing the relationship between our individual I – and the kind of uh, the participants in the life body, mm-hmm. you could say, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's still interesting to think about the relationship of this of the of the of the conscious being who is the network, right? And then all of its subordinate conscious beings. So if we have a bunch of cells, right, each having their function, the way in which communication occurs between these two layers, because as we've already established, like the the I conscious being, the network conscious being, isn't pu- pulling all the levers that are happening within each of these processes of each cell. So... But it's sending messages. It's in receiving information. Right. More than anything. So in a sense, you could say that the conscious part of us is the receiving information part. Mm. Right? And the mechanism is something that's already been worked out prior to all of that. It's like a set of relationships that got – it's like the the operating system, Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know? And then there's like a sort of software running on that and that software has – um, 
feelers into the world, mm-hmm. has sensing apparatus, and that sensing apparatus is monitoring what's going on and is then able to kind of uh, do the, tell the operating system what functions need to be called right. in order to get stuff done. Right. So there's a lot of mediation going on there. Right. All in the unconscious. Everything's happening. There's a lot happening unconsciously of like sending, you know, these nutrients need to go here. These proteins need to be built here. Right. This, you know, this is, uh, uh, this amount of energy needs to be used for this process. Mm -hmm. And all this is totally under our radar. We have no idea what's really, what's, what it's really taking to make this organism resist death and thrive. Right. So that's an interesting, um, getting back to your definition of nutrition as being, uh, you know, the purpose is basically to resist death. I think that's a really interesting thing to consider. I'm not sure exactly whether I agree with it or not. I see what what you're saying, um, but you could make the case that this is a materialist-oriented perspective, right? So the preservation of the body is something that, um, you know, you you can make the argument that that's something that's not questioned very much. And so that would be the kind of normal way of going about thinking things, right? We could say on a higher level that the purpose of nutrition is to provide the eye um, information about its experience in the physical world. Hmm. Well, there are certainly cases where people have decided that um, resisting death is not the goal, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. we have a history not only within the spiritual world but also within the military world of people and warriors, you know, people who sacrifice their lives. They decide, well, my life is not as important as a cause, right. my people, my nation, uh, my belief, whatever it is, right? right? Right. So clearly, there's a precedent for a set of 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 people, and maybe we could say of living beings, because it's probably there are certainly animals that exhibit self uh, sacrificing behavior as well. Right? Um, uh, social insects, you know, amongst the most noticeable, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, so in those cases, right, you could say that the nutrition is definitely going to a different purpose, right? It's, it's actually to fulfill the promise of life, right? Mm. Mm. Uh, and to preserve what one finds to be of value in it, irrespective of one's own benefit or loss, Mm-hmm. 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 Um, this feels like a subject that has so many different pieces to it, uh, and I think it is one of the most. Uh, it's something we keep returning to, and it's something that has an awful lot to consider in it. You know, <laughs> it's a little daunting. It kind of blows me out of the water whenever we start to approach this stuff, right? And almost makes me feel like we've. Hidden assembly of silence moment here. I think we got it.
so. Let's just take a moment and allow that to settle. You know, we can we can take a break every now and then. We can we can say, okay, so we're gonna play a little music. We're gonna try and recover from what just happened. And we'll rejoin you in a moment. <laughs> That's true. get one thing absolutely clear with everyone out there <laughs> we don't we do not want to suggest that we uh have the answers here no these are uh, the ground of it all is is a healthy dose of not knowing right so right. we're kind of asking questions and poking at things that are really beyond our our realm of of uh to develop any firm knowledge of but it certainly is interesting what happens when you go poking around in there. You know, I, 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 what I really appreciate about this is that um, I really believe that 
every good question just leads to a, a better question. Hmm. Right. Right. So it's not really about seeking answers as it is about asking the right questions. Mm-hmm. And all of this, of course, informs the the basic um, uh, attitude that we develop towards life. It's impossible that it wouldn't. Right. Right. So all things considered, when you really uh, do open the mind to them, it's uh, going to affect the way that you see things and what you end up deciding. That's right. I think curiosity is a really healthy way to approach life. Mm-hmm. Not thinking I know it or I, I answered it because I know in my experience, once I think I've got it, I've lost it. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. Right. And so if I can figure out the right questions to ask, that is the lead I'm looking for. Well, it, it does seem that the when it's like the kiss of death when you feel like you've got it. Right. But the pursuit of, you know, at a certain point we – we uh, hit that assembly of silence moment. And the base of that is the not striving. Mm-hmm. So I'm not willing to sum it up by saying that I'm looking for a question. Mm. Um, I'll stick with my Taoist roots and basically let it dissolve. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to sit there until I got to do something else. Right, right. You know, and I will have to do something else. Right. Or I'll get convinced that I have to do something else. Things will come up, you know. At at some point, (laughs) I got to go out there and discipline that dog. (laughs) I can only be absorbed in the emptiness and silence for so long. Right. When there's a yapping miniature... Whatever the heck she is. <laughs> pincher. Miniature pincher. Miniature pincher. Did you know that that's what it was? Can you tell? <laughs> Can you tell by the sound of the bark? Boy. Wow. I thought she was a little dog when I got her. <laughs> Turns out she's actually a big dog. Big in vocal cords. And, like, she will bully the other dog away from anything. Wow. Yeah. Wow. She had, a, she had a tin can that had once had some food in it a few days prior. She just pushed him right out of the way and just said, this is mine. Forget it. He was like, okay. Wow. And then having proven it to him. I mean, he's like three times her size. Yeah. 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 So she proves it to him. Right. Fends him off. And then she's like, I don't really want it. You can have it. So he goes, oh, okay, I'll take it, I guess. Yeah. He went and took it and. Laid down with it. There's nothing in it. Mm. So I was like super dominant move by this little, <laughs> yeah, yeah, little, little lady. Yeah. Little <laughs> okay, so now she's being quiet. We can uh, we can move on to the next thing on our list, or we could call it quits. I think I think that was a good episode, right yeah? there. You want to just call it quits now? I think. Did, did we give you enough? So, you know, this is where you can tell us. Right. Did we leave you hanging here or did we give you enough in this episode? Hey. We, we're calling it the radio hour, right? So Assembly of Silence radio hour. Do you need a whole hour for an episode? Do you feel like you're getting ripped off if you get less than an hour? 
We're going to find out now because this is the end of our second episode. Yeah. We thank you very much for joining us, and we look forward to having you back with us again real soon for the next one. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, throw us a bone by subscribing to this channel, visiting our social media pages, and hitting the various like, love, and clap buttons. We welcome all comments, criticisms, and random thoughts. Our email is silentassembly at protonmail.com. Our Twitter handle is at silentassembly. And if you want to be an angel, we have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash silentassembly. We look forward to serving you again soon. In the meantime, remember, turn that thing over a few times before you pick it up and take it home.